0: Page to Practice – Applying Educational Reading in the Classroom Join in the conversation using hashtag PagePracticePodcast From Page to Practice is a podcast focusing on the application of educational reading in the classroom. Each episode features one book or article, my reflections and the thoughts of my guests on its use and impact in the classroom. Some episodes may also feature an introduction from the author. Hi, and welcome to episode five of From Page to Practice, the podcast which applies educational reading in the classroom. This week's episode is all about The Learning Rainforest by Tom Sherrington. I'm really pleased today to be able to have a contribution from Tom, and you will be hearing this at various times throughout the episode. Before we'd start, I'd like to say a big thank you to the anonymous feedback that I received about the background music on the podcast. Something that I hadn't even considered is how the background music might be affecting those with any hearing impairments from being able to understand the full content of the podcast. With this in mind, from now on, I won't be having the music throughout the podcast. It will just come on at key times to, in order to allow everyone to access what we are saying. Thanks again, and if there's any other of this sort of feedback, I'd be really, really grateful to receive it. Before we hear from Tom for the first time, I thought I'd just cover why I picked The Learning Rainforest to cover this week. It seemed a hugely, hugely popular book, and even searching it on Twitter now, there are teachers all the time tweeting about the book uh, and how they're using it and applying the strategies given in their classrooms. It's had a really great reception online and I'd seen that the follow-up, the field book, is out now so it seemed like an appropriate time to cover the book. I've also seen that many schools are using it as a basis for their CPD for the year uh, or previous years and so it seems like it's a book that's having such a huge impact it definitely seemed like worth talking about. In fact, I referenced the book myself last week during a presentation at the Early Career Conference uh, by the Charter College of Teaching, um, and so it's been really, really useful for me, and I used it a lot in that session, and I'm going to talk a bit later on about exactly how I used it and why. Before I say any more, let's hear from Tom about a rough summary of the book and what's included.
1: Hi everybody, my name is Tom Sherrington, and I'm here to talk about The Learning Rainforest and the Learning Rainforest field book, which was published just recently. Learning Rainforest was my way of trying to capture a lot of ideas about teaching into one book, and to set out a kind of philosophy for teaching which has got some way of being delivered. Uh, So the first part of the book is exploring a range of notions, which uh, I think people ought to be referencing when they're discussing their practice. So we talk about curriculum, we talk about assessment and I try to capture a raft of, of research and, and what it says about, uh, about teaching. And I'm also encouraging people to engage with this progressive traditional dichotomy to, to find out kind of what they, what they think. You know do, Are you someone who identifies as a traditional teacher where you, you are happy about leading from the front, being teacher-led? Or are you someone whose disposition is really more about what might be considered to be student-centeredness and thinking about about teaching through that lens? And I explore how sometimes these polls, you know, for me anyway, make me react. I I think, no, that's that's far too rigid one way or the other, or far too disparaging about the opposite perspective. And actually, quite often, it's the synthesis of these these two ideas where I find... I feel I belong, um, even though probably I've moved from being someone who is more, uh, you know, impressed by some progressive notions in the past, and now I feel that I'm more traditional in my view, um, I still feel that it's a mix, and every teacher probably needs to think about their biases, because they're there whether we, we want to believe they're they're important or not, and it does influence the way you engage with research, the sort of things that you're 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 predisposed to accept and acknowledge and value and the things you're predisposed to dismiss um and sometimes you know we're sort of just really reinforcing our biases and our prejudices and we need to be kind of conscious of that i think if we're going to be working uh, you know and uh, as teachers and engaging with the ideas that are around us Uh, i think the curriculum debate is important and thinking about what we teach why we decide those things that's useful and there are a number of different ideas out there and the national curriculum is one of those. But it's 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 come from a place of, of good intentions, but there are more expansive models available in the world like the International Baccalaureate and ideas like Martin Robinson's Atrivium, which I think gives people a much richer view of what, what an education can be. And I'm encouraging people to think more broadly about the purpose of education and realising that we can teach students a lot of very strong uh, fundamental knowledge, but it's got to be situated in the context of an ambition for children being rounded people and so on. And I think there are practical ways of delivering that. With with what the research says, well, it's such a broad area and rather foolishly probably i've tried to write a chapter which says what does the research say because how can you capture all the research that's out there but there's a lot of stuff from cognitive science in there there's stuff to do with memory and there's stuff to do with mindsets there's stuff to do with principles of instruction and i think it's useful for teachers to kind of try to assimilate a range of ideas and then think okay what does this mean for me how do i implement that into my teaching
0: you're listening to from page to practice Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag pagepracticepodcast. Having heard Tom talk about the book, I think we could easily make a whole podcast just teasing out the points Tom discusses in part one. It's such an interesting part of the book that I'd highly recommend you read. But seeing as this is from page to practice, we really need to delve into the classroom applications of the book.
1: All the way through, I have this metaphor. So the learning rainforest metaphor itself is a... It's just a a vehicle for talking about things. It's not an absolute position and it's got flaws. But essentially, The Learning Rainforest is about comparing uh, a culture where excellence can take many forms, where you don't really mandate the outcome as a a specific set of things, but you you take the view that you fuel conditions for children to learn in which excellence can come from lots of different angles. And so I, I look at three parts of a tree as a, as a, as a central part of that. So you, you, you have the roots, which are all about the conditions of learning, making sure that it's a fertile ground, if you like, for, for learning. So children need to be nurtured, cared for, but also challenged. I talk about building the knowledge structure, so the trunks of the trees. It's all about being really disciplined about your curriculum sequencing and making sure your students really understand things in a deep and rigorous way. And that requires a certain style of teaching. And then exploring the possibilities, the canopy of the trees is all about Well, what can we do with with our our knowledge, where can we go with it, what are the different ways that we can uh, deliver that in in some practical way.
0: I'm really pleased to be discussing the Learning Rainforest today. What Tom does with the book is it completely aligned uh, to the whole point behind From Page to Practice. We talk about the research and then the most important thing is how we apply that in our classrooms. With The Learning Rainforest, there's no need for us to try and interpret the research unless we really want to from part one, because in part two, he gives us the practical applications and he'll now explain what he does.
1: And so in in the the part two of the book, I tackle each one of these through a chapter where I've written 60 odd um, strategies. Well, there's exactly 60 and it's three sets of 20, so 20 for each one. So we're establishing the conditions has 20 strategies where we talk about things like behaviour management, um, and I I talk about curriculum planning, sequencing, because you've got to get your curriculum right. I talk about the the need for for, um, specifying the knowledge, being clear, what do we want the children to know when we're teaching, and specify the knowledge is all about that. And I give various examples thinking about learning objectives rather than tasks. You know, what do I want students to know by the end of the lesson is, is different from what tasks am I going to, get, going to get them to perform in the lesson. And I think all those things are, are important ideas to explore. The, the, the need to plan scaffolds. If I'm going to get students to achieve high standards, how do I scaffold the learning so that they are given the opportunity to do that? What things can I plan to be drills which they can practice and rehearse? All of this is a, is a sort of... a comes in advance of going into the classroom these are the things you get ready which are the words what's the vocabulary that i'm aiming at for them to know can i plan the word list can i plan the reading that goes with it and so on and so on so all these are sort of preparatory aspects of teaching and that's what i call um, establishing the conditions In, in chapter eight which is building the knowledge structure there are 20 strategies all based around the key areas of teaching which i call mode a teaching Explaining, modelling, getting students to practice—a lot of people recognise those from being related to Rosenshine's principles of instruction. But although I don't consciously reference that in this book, so things like um, probing, questioning, think-pair-share, uh, a practice that I love, which is called "say it again, better," which is all about in- increasing students' confidence with speaking when they give verbal answers. And I talk quite a lot about feedback and review so the importance of a verbal feedback lean marking losing using whole class feedback and the, the importance of reviewing knowledge over time so daily and uh, weekly and monthly review which is you know again looks very similar to the rosenshine principles and the importance of homework i'm really a big fan of homework and even though that gets debated from time to time on twitter i'm, I'm absolutely convinced that Students don't excel at school unless they get used to studying at home quite thoroughly and effectively. and they don't get good at doing that unless they get given quite a lot of homework over the years and it becomes totally normal to study at home. So I'm, I'm a big advocate for homework and you know I, I say so in, in the book
0: You're listening to "From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag page Practice Podcast. One of the strategies I particularly like from the book is called Say It Again Better and this is all about routinely expecting students to reform their initial spoken responses into well-constructed sentences that use the key words and the phrases that you've been discussing and giving them. It reminds me a little bit of Format Matters from Teach Like a Champion by Doug Lemov, but it goes further because it specifies the vocabulary that we're expecting students to use. This sort of uh, strategy is leading to more extended responses the first time around and it's exactly what we're after from our students when we've got high expectations of them. This strategy links in really well with what we've discussed previously on the Impact Special with the, um, the discussion of the Oracy Project article and also with closing the vocabulary gap. Next, we're going to hear from Tom about the next part of the book which is all about exploring the possibilities.
1: And finally, chapter nine in The Learning Rainforest is all about exploring the possibilities. What can you do with extremely knowledgeable students? Well, you can do tons of things. And mode B teaching, as I call it, is all the things that you do which are sort of beyond just teacher-led instruction. So we talk about students having hands-on experiences, preparing them for high-challenge, a strategy I call deep end. Projects, you know, projects might be a small part of your curriculum, but, uh, you know, every child at some point needs to learn to pursue a kind of an individual inquiry into some aspect of learning with some rigor and intensity over a period of time. And that's what I'd call a project. So how do we do an effective, independent study at different ages? That's something to look at. And I've explored that in, in, in the other things like, you know, aspects of flipping learning, getting students to go away and, and, and read or find things out or prepare for lessons sometimes people demonize flip learning because they make, it, they make it sounds like some sort of groovy fad but for, for me it's just a, a bread and butter everyday strategy which invites students to take some responsibility for their learning and i've worked with students over the years who did that extremely well and it was a very rewarding part of the teaching lots of oracy strategies so that the importance of structured speech as part of lessons so beyond just you know pair share is a good start but There are other things to do, uh, like debating and um, getting students to present parts of lessons and so on. So it's it's a range of practicalities. And that's what I hope the learning learning rainforest does for people.
0: I find Tom's distinction between mode A and mode B teaching really, really interesting. So mode A being what we spend about 80% of our time doing and mode B being the other 20%. Tom mentions that although we spend significantly less time on this type of teaching, it is still vital. All about exploring the possibilities. So these could be projects, hands-on learning, creative tasks, investigation, debate and many, many more options. I think it's so easy for us to overlook these kinds of learning and lose sight of these sorts of things, especially when we're pushed for time. Now, in our final contribution from Tom, he's going to talk to us about how the book is being used by certain teachers and schools and how he's put together the field book, which is now out.
1: Over the last couple of years since it was published, I've had really good feedback about both those things. Some people read Part A, and that's what they like. They like the whole exploration of the progressive and traditional debate. Some people are all about Part B. They just say, you know, they skim through the first part, but they they like the practical strategies. I've been to some schools where they've used it as a as a reference for their CPD. So teachers have, have been asked to select one or more strategies from the rainforest and have then practiced them or worked on them in, over the course of a, of, of a few months and then they've reported back on the strategy that they used. Um, one school I, I, I know used each of the sections one by one. So term one, they all did ex, uh, establishing conditions so they looked at some aspects from that. Term two, they looked at building knowledge, and term three, they looked at exploring the conditions. And this is, um, I mean, uh, looked at the, 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 exploring the possibilities. And that's all to do with, you know, getting the ideas out of the book into their psyche. So obviously one year is never enough to sort of embed all these ideas. But by having a systematic approach to sort of reading the book, they've they've shared them. And obviously that becomes an agenda for, for subsequent years. And I, and I think that's quite useful. Urging people to read something as a, at a whole school level sometimes doesn't work but if you just say like choose one thing and you've got a range of different approaches to that you you, you then get people sharing it and, and and the kind of the content comes alive so I was really thrilled to hear about that so there are several schools that have done that too I've been sent pictures of you know the lonely rainforest blown up and enlarged on on the on staff from notice boards one school um, has got a sort of postcard where people have been asked to select a learning rainforest strategy and report the, a, a quick sort of reflection on it, post it on this big notice board and it's all over in the staff room and that kind of thing. And it just shows the people communicating with each other about a similar set of ideas, which is, to me is, 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 is fantastic to see. The field book, which, which I wrote uh, in, over the last year, was my way of kind of cap- encapsulating the journey different schools that I know are on uh, and nearly all schools I've been to there's one school I haven't physically been to, or because uh, I'd, I'd engaged with the school via Skype essentially. We did a lot of workshops online, but all the other schools I've actually uh, visited or been to events where all the staff were there. And there are a range of different schools all over the UK um, and some international schools, and including schools in Bangkok, South Africa, Lebanon, Ireland long island and in, in in scotland wales northern ireland and cornwall and all over england and including london so there's a whole range some primary some secondary some independent schools So i've really tried to sort of explore the full range of types of schools there are and then invited people to talk about the thing that they wanted to talk about so i didn't ask people to specifically discuss a, a particular thing they chose that and so some of the schools have reported on their cpd process some have talked about curriculum development some have discussed their journey through assessment. Um, and some have described very specific teaching and learning uh, techniques that they've explored. And all, all of them have this sort of personal feel. And I wanted the students to be featured, so each of the schools has had has student profiles where the students talk, are asked to talk about their favourite um, recent learning experiences and teachers that, that they've enjoyed working with and so on. So it brings the learning rainforest alive. That was the whole point. It's... The field book comes from this idea of a a researcher in the field recording the things that they've observed, and I'm I'm hoping that that's what the field book does. It gives people a feeling of the reality of it in in the real world in a diverse range of contexts. So I hope that gives you a feel for both of those books. Um, If you've read them already, well, thanks very much for doing that and keep sharing your thoughts about it. And if you haven't, well, I hope you... um, go and maybe pick up a copy of the the Learning Rainforest or the Learning Rainforest field book and uh, get get stuck into the ideas there and and let me know what you think. So thanks for inviting me onto this podcast uh, and good luck with, you know, your work as you go forward. Thank you.
0: You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag pagepracticepodcast. I'd like to say a huge thank you to Tom for contributing to the podcast today. I really, really do appreciate it when authors are willing to give up their time to share their thoughts with us. Personally, I don't actually have a copy of the field book yet, uh, but hearing Tom talk about it, I definitely think I need to go and get hold of one. Next up, we're going to hear from a teacher about what she and her school have learned from the Learning Rainforest. I really appreciate Barbara sharing her applications and it's great to hear when people have successfully applied their reading to their teaching and are willing to share it, because that's what this podcast is all about. I've only ever interacted with Barbara before through the MFL Twitter Arty, so I'm really pleased that she's chosen to get involved with the podcast
2: and something that's not specifically to do with MFL. I really appreciate it. Hi, my name is Barbara Tziski. I'm a senior teacher at a school in North London and I lead on developing teaching and learning across the school. I've been teaching French for nearly 25 years in my current school. Um, In our school, we actually used the Learning Rainforest by Tom Sherrington as a structure for our CPD uh, last year. It proved to be an effective format and gave us a really clear direction for how we were developing the teaching and learning over the year. Uh, we wrote about this in Tom Schoenton's Learning Rainforest Field book, if you wanted to see a little bit more about that. The two areas I'm going to focus on in this podcast is uh, the areas that I led on in the uh, CPD that we did. The first one was when we came to looking at the idea of building the knowledge structure. And I had to lead a session on homework Now, traditionally, my homework has quite often involved some sort of extended writing in French. One thing that I found really interesting in The Learning Rainforest was where Tom Sherrington refers to Hattie's research about homework and talks about the effectiveness of it. And one proposal is that, particularly for our younger secondary learners, so I'm imagining Key Stage 3, possibly some Key Stage 4 they actually need tighter and more specific homework. That potentially the reason that homework is less effective is because a number of our younger learners really struggle with the open-endedness of an extended writing task and especially if they don't have support at home will then struggle and either do the homework badly or not actually do it at all. Having reflected on this, I've changed a little bit the way that I do homework I'm now much more likely to do drilling practice type exercises, deliberate practice of certain structures and leave the extended writing for the classroom where I am there as an expert to guide and support. I believe it's led to better homework completion and actually better learning overall. The other area that I found really interesting was the way that Tom Sherrington talks about mode A versus mode B teaching. This has been really helpful as I've looked at some of the debate on Twitter about teacher-led or direct instruction. We use this to introduce to the school the the whole idea of mode A versus mode B and to actually question some widely-led beliefs uh, where we have people saying, oh, the teacher is talking too much in that lesson, uh, which is clearly nonsense because the teacher does need to be the expert The area I examined was called playing detective. And what I found was that in setting up an activity that could be seen as discovery learning, in fact, if you scaffold and model and lead the discovery, it does become really very much teacher-led. It lends itself really to the way that we can teach grammar in MFL lessons where we can actually go through and show examples and the students work out the meaning Um, and to a certain extent it can actually help them in their learning of it, in their understanding of it. So why read the book? Um, There's just an awful lot of common sense in it. There are so many different parts. You can actually read it from front to back or you can just dip into parts. And as long as you read it and are prepared to reflect on what it means to you and how you can develop that in your learning, then you will actually find that it is very, very useful in improving your practice in the classroom.
0: You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag pagepracticepodcast. So before we finish this podcast today, I'm going to share with you my key takeaway from the book. As I mentioned earlier, I presented last week at the Chartered College of Teaching Early Career Conference on high expectations and motivation, and a lot of what I said in that presentation links in really well uh, with the Learning Rainforest, and I spoke about the Learning Rainforest a number of times. Reading what Tom had to say on high expectations really made me consider the impact that our expectations can have on our students. I think since I've done this um, it's had a real difference to the way I teach and I've started, um, to use Tom's words, becoming relentless with my expectations and I'm now refusing to put a lid on what I believe any student can do. One part that I really took from the book, and I also mentioned at the conference, is celebrating students that want to work hard and want to ask questions and their curiosity and not accepting terms like nerd and geek to be used in a derogatory way. The example I gave at the conference was the use of the word sweat. I am fed up of hearing students call each other this for getting a good mark or bothering to try hard and taking part, and I really am making a conscious effort now to try and stamp it out now that I've picked up on it. What reading The Learning Rainforest made me realise is the impact of getting the conditions in the classroom just right, and this is one aspect of it. I've found that a number of the strategies um, in in this book link really well with Doug Lamov's Teach Like a Champion um, for setting our high expectations and supporting students to be able to meet those high expectations. So that's it for today's episode on The Learning Rainforest. Uh, coming up next is a podcast on "Teach Like Nobody's Watching" by Mark Enser. I'm aiming to release this around the first of December, although that is the day after the Charter College of Teaching AGM, uh, and I'm running for re-election, so I will be at that AGM uh, as well as being on the current council. Um, so I'm hoping to get that out on the Sunday, as long as I'm uh, not catching up from things I've not done on the Saturday. So any more contributions for that? episode are really really welcomed I think I've got one so far and another in the pipeline um, and I'm hoping we'll hear from Mark in that episode as well so thank you again for listening to today's episode just a warning I am moving house on Monday so I'll be losing the lovely studio space that I currently get to record in Um, I'm still planning on continuing on schedule, even if I don't have the same quality uh, sound as I'm managing to get at the moment, but it will be back. Um, So please, please share this episode, share the previous episodes, get involved if you're interested in contributing, get in touch with any ideas um, for future episodes, and remember to tweet using hashtag pagepracticepodcast. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to From Page to Practice. Don't forget to join in the conversation using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. Alternatively, to suggest a book or article, or volunteer to contribute to an episode, visit learninglinguist.co.uk forward slash PagePracticePodcast. Thanks go to Kevin MacLeod of Encomtech.com for use of the tracks Cheery Monday and Fuzzball Parade, which are licensed under Creative Commons.